in your shirt. It's time for spoilers. weekly podcast where we talk about filmmaking and living in China because both of those things are what we are doing. I am your host Emily and with me as always is Peter and we are coming to you live to tape from lovely Whoop Woo Studios here in Luzhou, Sichuan, China. This week's topic is how to tell if you've got a good story versus just a pile of good ideas. But first, let's get into it with How's Your Uncle? This week was my first week back at school, and I am at the same school that I have been for a while, but it's a new position because um, they're retooling their English program a little bit. Now I am full-time half day with uh, one class of children, whereas before I was like the elective teacher and I came in and out of every class. I still do that too on top of that, but less of that. And now my primary focus is this one group of 22 to 4 year olds, which has been an adventure. Um, There's a lot of crying at that age, which you may, you may know. But, I mean, a lot of the kids are happy to be there. There's just, like, there's three that, as of Friday, were still, like, I'm not into this. I don't want to be here. And they were kind of crying all day. Um, But I do have a co-teacher who's their Chinese teacher on the half days when I'm not in their classroom. And then we both have two aides that work with us um, who are learning on the job, but they got a lot better. Uh, The first day was kind of a mess. I came home and told Peter I made a mistake. Um, But I think things are improving and I think things will continue to improve. And the kids are very cute and they already like me a lot. Who wouldn't? I guess at any age you have your first day of school is upsetting for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Even in high school. Yeah. Maybe you might have, like, I got a new outfit and I'm excited, but... Yeah, but the, I mean, there's that transition from your summer too. freedom to, I gotta do what now? Um, and then when you have, like, that's little tiny children that are, this isn't what I do anymore. They can't even remember, even if they went to school last year. Right, right. This is, like, this isn't what we do. Where's <laughs> right. yogurt? Yeah, what the heck is this? <laughs> and and I, my classroom management focus this week because this is not something I ever had to deal with before is teaching children to line up and then walk in a line because we have to go out to the bathroom all together um, a couple times a day and as this as a blog I found that was like very helpful pointed out um, children don't line up at home especially if they're only children like they you never have to wait for anything. You never have to go anywhere all in a group. If you are going somewhere, mom or dad or grandma or grandpa is holding your hand. You're, you're the, you get all the attention. So this idea of like, okay, now you stand right behind this kid and stay behind him the whole time is like, that's brand new. They never heard of that before. Especially so that was with like, grandma and grandpa, is there, you're usually tugging them. 
you're, yeah, you're on yeah, they they there. have sole adult attention, and a lot of times there's up to four adults paying attention to you at one mm. time. And in this, in our classroom scenario, there's four adults paying attention to, you know, one fifth of you because there's twenty kids in the class. Um, yeah, so that that's it's been good to be the kid. <laughs> yeah. Until then. Yeah. And then, like, this blog also pointed out, like, maybe they don't have stairs in their house, so that's something you have, like, they've never had to deal with before. We live in a city, so kids have had to deal with stairs, I would say. And we live not in, in their house, though, because if they live in an apartment, they don't have to go upstairs, but, like... We're not Chongqing, but we are pretty hilly. We are pretty hilly. So the kids actually... The stairs are really helpful, because they're challenging enough for their little legs that they all hold on to the railing. When they get older, they start to like try to detour around slower kids. Mm-hmm. But the, for when we have to go upstairs, that's actually easier because they all hold on to the railing. So then they definitely stay one after the other. Kind of like our traffic. Yeah. <laughs> In town. Yeah. But it was, it was challenging. And then like realizing that helped me see like, oh, well, the fact that we're failing at this three out of four times in the day, one time we got it right. So we're, we're, we're learning. It's we're all a, learning. It's a school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They may be terrible at being in a line for a while, <laughs> which is annoying because that's maybe my least favorite part is taking ten, them to the bathroom and back. Are you creating a new segment for our <laughs> show now? We'll see how the line the goes. The lineup. Yeah, Probably. maybe. <laughs> maybe this is another continual update. Um, but yeah, and then the lessons are the easiest part. That's like, that's the thing I know how to do. It's more of like the the transition periods and the, the, the extra stuff that's not lessons, but like I'm still kind of in charge of the kids. Uh, fortunately, dis- I'm, I'm not allowed to let kids just like run wild, but the discipline is up to the other teachers. So if there is a kid... And acting out isn't the right word because at two years old, it, it's more like... That's life. They're, yeah, they're just like, I don't know what we're doing. I don't know why I shouldn't be doing this. Um, but it's up to the other teachers to kind of sit with them and like demonstrate proper behavior and blah, blah, blah. And I get to just be like, this is an apple, yay! Um, so that's... And working out that dynamic with the other teachers... Um, it's it's your, your dream adult job with children is, is being the, the aunt. Yeah, yeah. You get to just be like, here's the thing. All right, you're not interested. Yeah, and then a big part of Chinese kindergarten is actually photographic proof that a teacher has paid attention to your kid. <laughs> so a large part of our lessons is, like, I teach the concept, the vocabulary that we're learning, and then I have to go around to each child and then whatever activity we're doing, like, help them, but in a photogenic way, help them with the activity so the parents can see, like, I spent one-on-one time with your kid, um, which feels a little bit farcical sometimes. Um, but again, they're, they're babies. They're literally babies. So some of these activities are just to, like, try out the idea of doing activities more than, like, oh, you got it right. The older kids, the four-year-olds can, like, do the puzzles and do the... The put the beans in the cup in the right number as indicated by the label. With some help, they can get that done. But the two-year-olds are just like, I got beans, I got cups! <laughs> and so it, it's a success that they don't eat the beans, first of all. But then <laughs> that they can, like, 
pick them up and, and put them in a cup and like, um, yeah, <laughs> so it's not academically rigorous to teach two-year-olds. <laughs> you got beans, you got cups. Yeah. It's weird. I'll, I'll say that. It's very weird. Um, Sometimes you have your urine trips and... Oh yeah, on the first day of school, one kid wet himself twice, and like that happens. But the we're thing not we're not giving any names. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I could. But um, the thing about this particular set of accidents is he didn't really mind. Like usually kids pee, and then they're like, ah, "I peed," <laughs> and then like you can deal with that. And he just like went off in a corner and peed and then like came back with wet pants and is like, all right, I'm ready to go. Like, no, you are not. And then there was a rogue poo on the floor, which is very exciting. Um, but that, that only happened the first day. Everyone gets upset. Once again, the first day is very upset. It was a rough day. There has been no poo since then. A little more pee, but not as much. Not a segment we want to continue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, last summer we had the vomit report. The vomit report. Fortunately, um, so far that has not reoccurred. We'll see what happens we'll when see. you start to get those those special days where it's like yeah. make a cake. Well, day. the problem is like on birthdays they have cake and then they're like the cakes the parents pick out are like so sugar pies. Yeah, it's because it's not just a cake; it'll have like chocolate candies on top and like an extra cookie in the middle and then like candy fruit they're like maximized sugar and it is i never realized this with with you know hanging out with mostly adults and even teenagers like when babies have sugar it is like a drug and they <laughs> go insane and then that's where a lot of the vomit problems happen we got a couple birthdays coming up this month so we'll see uh, I'll keep you posted. <laughs> but yeah, I mean the the I hate change, so And so do babies. That's that, and so do babies, so I really sympathize mm -hmm. with them. But the nice thing about this new schedule is I have three afternoons off a week, which has been um luxurious. I mean I'm still working twenty hours with ten hours on call, which um <laughs> but well, it's not like you're an EMT in, though. Yeah, in yeah, it's <laughs> I've been pretty clear with the school. On call means like the day before they need to tell me that we're, mm. we're cashing in our chips. It isn't that there's an emergency yeah. poop has landed. Yeah, because that's not my job. There's no emergency that you need me for. Um, that's kind of my philosophy of life. <laughs> and we found too that like even at our first major school, we were kind of, because we lived on campus, kind of there for emergency calls. But a lot of times we were like, because we had so much time, we'd be like in a different city in a different province somewhere. Yeah, and somebody yeah. somebody would call us up and like, could you come down to the auditorium for a, a contest or something? Like, we're in Hong Kong. Well, like, and I was... Oh, okay, it's fine. Yeah, I would say the way things work is a lot of like, the emergency is poor planning. Right. Um, and what's that saying? Like, poor planning on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part. <laughs> um, I've held pretty fast to that, which, to mix success... Um, I'm not going to change China. That, mm -hmm. that it's, things get done last minute. That's just how it is. Um, and a lot of times... I'm just trying to make space for me to have to do the least amount of last minute stuff as possible. Because that... Um, it's really disruptive. And I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. A, a lot of times those emergencies are like... Remember that... The, the, the marching parade that they were going to have. 
and all of a sudden there was like no drums. So they were, they didn't know what to do. They were trying to look for our help and we're like, well, we can't help you with anything. And they come around the corner with empty water jugs and they're like, hey, we have a band now. Oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. Oh. Like that's the it amount of like, emergency that we're If really... we don't help, it still gets resolved. Yes. Um, we felt guilty at first of just like, what can we do to help? We don't yeah. know. And they're like, ah, forget you. <laughs> well, I'm, I am, another life tenant of mine is more, more people, more cooks in the kitchen does not make a better cake. Mm. And I, I think I'll be happy to be the one that steps back and like, you, you use your expertise on this. If you ask specifically for my help, I'll come in and help. But I, I'm just because you're all running around with your heads cut off, <laughs> adding me to the mix does not fix that. Yeah. Um, so I try to stay out of it. <laughs> well, and especially being in a completely different culture, there's a lot of times that just have no idea how something gets done. So like, what the way we would help would be completely wrong and mess everybody up. Oh yeah, yeah. Even after eight years, too, it's kind of hard to explain the nature of those, like, why it is why we don't understand what's going on. I guess mm. we still don't understand <laughs> China. I mean, it's a, it's a complicated culture. Eight years isn't really enough. We understand some things a little better, but it is like, I don't understand even what the problem is here. Yeah, that's a big problem. Um, sometimes, like, like getting out of a ca taxi cab in a new city or something, and we're like... I know we're here, and we need a cab, and everyone's yelling at us, and we're just, after like 10 minutes of like, we're on the verge of crying. Yeah. You're on the wrong side of the street, you dummy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, well that was I, a first year problem. <laughs> that was a first year problem, but yeah. uh, they could be as simple as that, that you're just not. Yeah. I don't even see what's going on here. I, I'm just getting upset because yeah, yeah. I don't understand the problem. Well, there's like, also a more recent example so the police, our local community police are really stepping up something. Um, and they've been sending me text messages, which I can tell are from the police, and then I run them through a translator. And they don't, they have information in them, but they don't seem to have a directive in them until one of them came back with, so when you see this, when you get messages from this number, or if this number calls you, you should pick up the phone. So I was like, oh, I guess they just want some kind of response. So I wrote back like, just like, okay. And then the text messages stopped. But like, from the language of the original text messages, it wasn't clear like they needed anything from me. There was no instruction of what to do. It was just like, we're creating this community police together. like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> and they just needed How can me to. We help? They needed me just to say okay. Say, I yeah. think. Um, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, and it's not just us. Like I, around town, I can tell businesses and stuff are are dealing. <laughs> <laughs> I keep looking at Peter instead of the camera, but around town, I can see evidence that the police are like in everybody's business, um, and I don't know what to make of that. Mm. Well, I mean, it's one thing being the foreigner and knowing our place around here is that any time that the cops are involved, they're always really nice to us. Yeah, it's always yeah. a really easy deal. It might be hours of paperwork, whatever. But just the, the, the mention of like, oh, the cops called is stop everything. What do we do? Yeah, it's usually yeah. just they just want to say hi. Yeah. But like 
that that's a, it's enough. But then to find out that like, oh no, they're talking to everyone in town. Why are yeah. they talking to everyone in town? I yeah, don't know. Like I don't care at that point. At the gym, they have the police because someone came to our apartment to give us a business card of a police our our police liaison, I guess. And then like I went to the gym and they have those same cards taped up to the front desk to I guess to be like these right. are our police. And officers. it wasn't the police that was that were that showed up at our door. It was a couple of boys that showed up with a card on it and I didn't know what I mean they looked like they came from True Value with like these little vests on. Work vests. And then they handed me the card and oh that's our police officer. Oh wait. Is that no? She would have come if it was something important. Yeah. But she sent some true value boys over with a picture of her, going like, "Remember, we exist or something." I don't know. It's fine. I'm not gonna worry about it. But for a minute, you do worry about it. Yeah. Well, but don't ask me how I know. But if it is serious, they'll send a squad car out for you <laughs> and, and take you with them. If um, it really if, is something that they're worried they're about, just, you'll be worried about yeah, it. Yeah. If they're just calling, it's nothing. Yeah. Um, and even if it's around town, it's not, they're not like going around saying like, you know, there's, you know, a gas leak or something that's blown up. They're probably just going around town going like, so how's everybody? Are you fine? Like, yeah, I mean, it just seems to be a press to increase the visibility of our community local cops. Yeah. Um, if, if it's upsetting to anyone, it's maybe just like street vendors because they just have to pack up their stuff and go like, Oh right. yeah, which is a bummer because I like street vendors, yeah. but they get shoved along by the police. Um, but they'll be back. Yeah, because this will die down or change or whatever. Um, it's changeable. Yeah. The first words we ever heard that were <laughs> the most important from our first boss. Yeah. But Linda, why? Why is this happening? It's changeable. <laughs> um, Wise words. Other news. I paid a tariff. Um, our our hard drive is still in Chengdu, um, but it's made it to China. And as of yesterday, I think I just checked on FedEx. It's been released for final delivery to our apartment, but it won't come till Thursday. But part of the holdup was that I had to pay a tariff because um, it's an almost two hundred dollar drive, which. Um, I just thought it was funny, given the loaded meaning tariff has between China and America right now. Now I'm in China, as an American, paying a tariff. What's working there? Um, but I'm happy our drive is almost here. Thank goodness. It is, it's complicated because I did like, I had to field several calls at several stages of the journey, like when it came into China in Shenzhen at the port of entry. Um, they called me just to get some information about what the drive was for, it was for my personal use, blah, blah, blah. I had to write a letter saying that. And then it was funny because the guy called and says stuff in Chinese, and I can tell he's talking about a package, so I don't hang up because sometimes it's just ads, so I, I'm just like, oh, sorry, uh, bye. Uh, but this, so this one, I was like, oh, I'm, I said in Chinese, like, I'm really sorry. My Chinese is so bad, but this is about my package from America, right? And then he switched into English, which was like astonishing. That never happens, and that was like unless it's Shenzhen calling. Yeah, Shenzhen. When Shenzhen calls, they can speak English. Anybody else, I have to deal with on the phone. Shenzhen's like we have to muddle through. That's like calling New York. Yeah. They're, they're um, fine with everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, I was gearing up to like go step by step through what he was saying, and then he just switched into English, and I was like, oh. That's easy. But then when Chengdu called, because I needed to pay the tariff, um, 
she did not speak English, so we did have to go step by step through. Okay, there's a package. Oh, yes, it's mine. Uh, you need my address? But I can't say it on the phone. Oh, I'll email it to you. Okay, here's my email. <laughs> and we got it done. Um, yeah, so that's funny, but I made a tariff. <laughs> and then for a basil plant update, it's still thriving out there. It's getting big and bushy. I plucked some with the intention of making a pesto, but it turns out I looked up a recipe mm. um, that it's not nearly enough, so we'll have to get a pizza or something in the next day or two uh -huh. to use that. And then I'm going to let the plant grow maybe till next weekend, maybe even till the weekend after, um, and then just harvest it all. I found a good recipe. We don't have a food processor, so I found a recipe that is like Italian grandmas is how she phrased it, um, all by hand, which is a little more um, PC rather than a smooth emulsion. Oh, not politically correct. Oh, PC, not PC. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's more like. It's like it's just an Italian grandma. Why are you? <laughs> no, that the, that there's separate textures of the garlic and the basil and the nuts because it's chopped, not not blended. Do you think it's maybe? Uh, something that we should go back to the store and buy another basil? I don't know. I mean, if this guy's going pretty good, maybe we can handle two. This is how people end up with, like, broods. I do have two empty pots. Um, yeah, because I'm not sure how long, much longer the growing season will be. Because I, I think, I think we can make it till the end of October. Hmm. Um, I think it stays pretty warm until then. What's the kind of temperature that they're looking at that they like? They like between like 20 and 25 degrees Celsius, which mm. is, we're actually still pushing 30 most days. Yeah, it's um, pretty hot up there. Yeah. So had I, a beautiful I, rainstorm last night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that was nice. It really cooled things off. It was quite hot. Um, but as, as is Lujo's tendency, it was raining and still humid. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like the sky is sweating. But yeah, I don't know. And then I think we can grow it inside. It may not get as lush because it won't get as much sun. One of the nice things about our main, our main patio, mm -hmm. um, this one too, I guess, is that it kind of works as a hothouse, even in the wintertime. That's true. Actually, if I close the glass windows, it might stay yeah, warm enough to... in the sun. I'm, I would have to bring it in at night. Um, but, hmm, possibilities. I do also want to order some mint, maybe. And Whoa. Grow mint. Whoa. Um, and then I'm out of herbs. Because <laughs> we don't actually cook, so it's not like, get some time. <laughs> Why? <laughs> like mint we can put in our, our Watsons. <laughs> and have delicious minty, minty club soda. Get a little bit of lemon. Oh, yeah. Sometimes we can find lime. That's a plan. Um, and then the other ongoing series is Rubik's Cube, which I don't really have any updates on. Um, I'm still learning the Friedrich method, which is memorizing a lot of different algorithms, as opposed to the beginner method is like a set of algorithms per level, so maybe like, I don't know, four or five. Um, and then you just do them till it's finished. This is more 
targeted algorithms for specific cases that you only have to do once and then it's done. But mm -hmm. it's a lot of memorizing, so I'm still working on that. But funnily enough, on Wired.com, their video of the day was how to solve a Rubik's Cube. So I thought that was funny. Nice. Um, I'm tapped into some kind of nerdness. But let's talk about some business. Our channel is moving along nicely. Um, we got we got subscribers, we got watchers. It's all going well. I did while I was on vacation. I forgot to update our podcast to iTunes, but now I have. So, so if, you weren't able to listen to us when you were on vacation. You didn't spend hours listening to us. <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't. Um, but the podcast. This this show, if you don't want to look at us, you can listen to us on iTunes and have your pod or Stitcher or something else. Wherever else you're here. Oh, and RSS feed, you can just you can all that all those links are in the description to this video and you can listen to us as a podcast rather than a video and that will automatically update weekly or however often I update. <laughs> but it is now back up to date, so um if you want to put us in your ears, that's how you can. Share it with your friends, <laughs> walk around, blast it out of your, your boom box in the city. Yeah. And then another business thing I kind of noticed this summer is we've been getting a lot more solicit solicitation emails of, like, of different sorts. Like we got the makeup brushes like, hey, we'll send you these makeup brushes for free if you'll put them in your video or like we can get you more subscribers, da-da-da, marketing stuff, which is uh, interesting. I guess like 200 subscribers is the threshold where those mm. marketers start to notice you. Or like this guy from a China-based service for couriering packages reached out, um, which if I ever am in that circumstance where I want to fly to America with no luggage, uh, <laughs> I'm going to think about it. But it's interesting just to like, we've all of a sudden reached that level where people are like, hey, can we market directly to you? Yeah. I don't think you're, we're going to find you any customers or us any subscribers. Out of yeah. That. But thanks for noticing that we exist. Yeah. And the courier service was like, maybe we can help your blog, but it was more like, not like any kind of merchandising offer, but more like, hey, you live in China, you should use this. Yeah. And then if you like us, mention us on your blog. Um, which is a little bit different from like, hey, advertise our project, product. Right. And then I did get an email. If you are Elaine de Olive, uh, I got an email from a person who said they were a subscriber, but I was confused to the nature of their query and suspected they might be some kind of form letter slash bot. If you are a real person, Mr. Olive, uh, send me your... I'm really a subscriber. <laughs> uh, send me your email again and rephrase your question. Um, but yeah, so we're just we're starting to see an uptick in like people reaching out to us, which is nice. I've noticed that by because we're posting the way that we break down these videos themselves just means we have so many videos. We've got like a hundred videos in the queue that are waiting mm -hmm. to go up and we can't put up we should be putting up more than one a day, but we're putting up two a day. <laughs> but that just 
does keep, even as low as our numbers are, it does keep like a steady pattern, which might, our numbers are in the green for once. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like, <laughs> we're not like sinking down. Yeah. Um, so th that might just kind of keep you at like, they're, they're, they're treading water, so that might hit some kind of algorithm. Yeah, we, we just might be appearing yeah. more. Um, but yeah, so that's our business. Let's, uh, any more business? Mm, nope. Let's go on to homeschool film school. So as I said in our opener, our topic today is what makes a good story versus just a pile of good ideas. And the reason we're talking about that is because we kind of went through that assessment this week. <laughs> as we talked about last week, my project was putting, laying out the stories we have so far on cards, which was very um, educational in that I could see where like, okay, this is the seeds of a plot versus this is just really a feeling, not a story. Um, so this weekend, Peter and I worked together to take those ideas and really give them specific shape into a story. And I, I owe a lot of the thoughts behind this to the podcast. Oh, I don't forget their, their name. Script Notes. Script Notes is a great podcast, which I've been listening to. It's two screenwriters. I'm totally blanking on their name. Mason and John August. I forget his first name. Mason is the screenwriter behind Chernobyl, and John August is the guy behind. He wrote Big Fish, among other things. And they're big, they're guys who are, they're working screenwriters. They're very active in the community. They both are very active in the, the WGA. Um, so the, it's very like insidery business, inside baseball, inside screenwriting <laughs> kind of podcast, but it is really informative. Not in that, like, Peter and I want to break into Hollywood, because we don't. Or baseball. Or baseball. <laughs> but um, they also talk a lot about, like, the technicalities behind making a story. And they recently had an episode of, that answered the question, when do you know that you're ready to start writing? Um, and thanks to them, I know that Peter and I, up to now, have been in a period of pre-writing. <laughs> um, and we are still pre-writing. Which is uh, fine. And that pre-writing is the period of time where you're doing research, making outlines, playing with characters, playing with dialogue. Um, have they said But or, you're not actually composing a story. Have they said, or anybody else for that matter, um, what is any kind of usual... I mean, it's art, so it's how whatever time is time. That doesn't really matter. But yeah. is there an average of like... I mean, I'm, I imagine some people might be in, in that kind of development for years. Yeah, yeah. I think it's different depending on what your what your original idea is. Mm -hmm. um, if you're starting from a book, maybe your research is a lot less. And if you're starting from mm -hmm. a brand new idea, maybe your research is a lot more. Um, uh -huh. And yeah, if you've licensed someone's life rights, you're going to do a different kind of research than if you're working from pure fiction or whatever. Um but and they when, did not. They did not specify a time. And when would you think? When did we really start? Like, put pen to paper. Like, this is. Was it the beginning of this year, or was it the beginning of this summer? When, That's a good question. I would, February is when 
we had the idea to start writing fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the end of Spring Festival break, which was early March, I, I just remember about that time was where we kind of pivoted from we'll write fake Emily and Peter scripts that will play to maybe we could write a full-on script for other people. So that was like pre-development then? Yeah, yeah. And then from March to maybe June, I would say I was still kind of figuring out who the characters were. Mm -hmm. And then June, July, August, really kind of brainstorming. Um, Not plot ideas, because we didn't really have plot till last week, (laughs) but more like situations that our characters might find themselves in. Um, so if like in for like life planning, we've spent these near eight years developing researching yeah, what our yeah. life would be like here. But then this is like okay, let's start taking that as research and put it into yeah. some kind of making some kind of sense in our notebook. Yeah, because a lot of these stories are taken from like stuff that's actually happened to us, and I would say part of the summertime gathering up of situations is like reflecting on situations are experiences that might be might work well in this um in the miniseries as plot um and then this week peter and i sat down um we had our cards we laid them out on the table looked at like okay what were we trying to do (laughs) here and then what makes it into a story and and the difference here is so your, your story is someone wants something, but something stands in their way versus like they go out to the countryside, which mm-hmm. is a story that we're working on. But now, now we know it. they go out to the countryside with the idea of moving out there, but they realize it's just fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, or what's another one? Oh, yeah, just, just turning, like, the ideas we had into more of a, a logical progression that would develop over the course of an hour of, like, the second episode is Patrice and David get a new job. And then we turn that into, instead of just, like, watching them do orientation and interview and go to a meeting and start classes, those are all things that have happened to me, but in that order is not super compelling there's no stakes there there's no tension so we turned it into sugar the boss makes a job offer but patrice and david think they can do better and so then there is the tension of like i want you to work for me we're not sure if we want to work for you and then by the end they work for her um but that gives that gives something more to build up and then build and then knock down and then like find find a level ground which is more compelling as a, a, a plot to watch mm-hmm. um, and then by laying out all these plots by making them all have that push pull tension um, that is what that's what fiction is for um, there's no you don't watch any anything on TV that doesn't have I want something but this is in my way that's right. like that's that's the smallest unit of even when you're watching storytelling. Reality, when you're watching rea- reality TV. Oh, especially yeah. because reality TV is so constructed and so contrived. It yeah. is like 
you know, Linda wants to date the bachelor, but you, me also. Right. You can't have like, <laughs> you can't have any kind of creative storytelling or narrative, which is why they're so popular because mm. you are, you, you know, you can just walk into any scenario. That person's yelling at that person and that one's making googly eyes at that one. Let's see what happens. And then it's just the job of the editors and the directors and the story directors to, to look at that and go, all right, get a shot of that guy, get a shot yeah. of that guy. And sometimes even Some, the producers whispering in their ears, like, can you go yeah. go confront so-and-so about this? Right. They um, have to, like, actually, like... So it's take, all conflict. Take those pieces and yeah. mash them into each other. Yeah. But you have to do that even in a, a fiction story in a way that's, that's interesting and compelling. Otherwise, yeah, it's yeah. just a series of events that sort of ramble into each other. Yeah, which is, I would say, what we have now is a series of events that sort of ramble into each other and people are lovely. Um, so now we've added more tension, more conflict, more stakes, which is more interesting and gives you something more to write to. Because I, I would say I was pleased, like, that's why I'm calling them a, a pile of good ideas is because I'm pleased with what I've written so far. Um, but it doesn't... Putting it all together, there's no, like, reason for it all to exist in, as one entity. Whereas now that we have these plots, there is a reason why these events al exist alongside each other. Because mm. um, we, we even had, to, like, dealing with time. Like, is this something that has happened over six months, right. six weeks, right. or six days. Like, the, yeah. it changes the story every time, but those actual events don't change. They could take place right. whenever they are, but to make sense of them by stringing them together, you have to. Well, and it's easier to actually answer that question because we ran into the trouble, and I, I went through this myself a few times, of, like, what's the scale of our narrative and what are the stakes? And... Originally, we had this big idea, and I think this is the problem of talking about your story too much rather than getting down to the details of your story, mm. is we keep building it up and building it up, and, and I'll reveal here that our original end point was a massive car chase through <laughs> the streets of Luzhou, and even though the stakes were actually, it turns out like, oh, it was just a misunderstanding, because that's all mm. sitcoms are, just a misunderstanding. It still was, like, putting too much pressure on the stories that came before it to be epic, whereas, like, the, the pilot story is Patrice and, and David want to throw a, a dinner party, but no one can come. And that's, like, that's very everyday, as opposed to they fear they're going to get arrested and kicked out of the country, and it was hard to reconcile those two that start point and that end point mm -hmm. until we realized the stakes of the end point are way too high. So we dialed it way back down. And then we were able to make all six episodes feel like they were part of one whole. Right. And the, the, the storytelling, the pacing itself was something that we were much more satisfied. And we would watch ourselves. Yeah. I mean, we'd yeah. watch a car chase through the Joe in a second if you told it was us it was on right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but the amount of work that it takes to go through that, the only place that makes it easier is in storytelling. Of like, yeah. The actual work to get it done is so much harder, but to actually watch it isn't nearly as fun or easy. Or yeah. It, like, 
It's it's a, again we talked about Kevin Smith in the last episode, but like the original Clerks was Dante was going to get shot and killed at the end, and someone said like, "What are you doing that for?" And he was like, "Well, I guess this is supposed to be you know it's dark and gritty nihilism." Or, yeah, nineties were Generation X. Don't do that. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that yeah, deciding what your stakes are and deciding you know what they're doing. Are they running from the police? That that gives the whole project a different flavor than their what we actually came up with, which is they have to move apartments, which is like that's not an everyday occurrence, but that's a normal thing to do. And it's um, it's full of stress, no matter where you live, either. Yeah, so. yeah, and relatable. But so yeah, so to get back to like deciding the time frame of your series i think that that gets answered when you decide what are they doing and mm -hmm. if it is like if one of them is growing an oak tree then the time frame of your story is going to be much longer than if they're growing a basil plant for example or if you know whatever you, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you know mother nature grows the but i mean that, that like when you would decide it's all like you do have to answer all these questions about their inner life and their motivations and their feelings and their philosophies and how they relate to the world. But if you get stuck in those questions, um, you're not actually writing anything. You have to decide what are they doing. Mm -hmm. And then through what they're doing, you can show what their feelings are. Um, and so to that end, we picked an A, B, A, B, and C story for every episode with an order of importance, A is the biggest story, and C is kind of, not a throwaway, but like a, a, a small couple of scenes gag. Um, and then to put them all in the same episode, there should be like a way that they all come together. They don't have to. And if you watch, if you watch your sitcoms tonight, um, you can track what the A, B, and C stories are and see if they do come together or if they don't come together. But when they do come together, it's very satisfying mm -hmm. for the viewer and, and for the writer. Well, it's the same thing um, as like uh, following a, a stand-up comedian where you're going to come with, with the, the callback. Yeah, and, Like yeah. when you get that, no matter how contrived it is, you could be watching, I don't know, like Urkel or something like that, and, and you're like, oh, thank goodness they finished with that joke. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so now now we have these A, B, and C stories, which will probably in the future be up on our whiteboard because it's <laughs> it's it's how it's it's helpful to have a visual rendering of what's going on. Um, if we like film like fake on... words behind it, so we don't give away the plot, we yeah, can yeah. it in behind you, and you can teach it a little classroom. Yeah, <laughs> um, and then I think our next step is to to flesh out these A, B, and C stories by deciding like. And we've kind of already talked about this. Just, we need to write them down. Okay, the A story is this. So act one is this, act two is this, act three is this. Um, and then after that, still not really writing, what we do is, is fill in what are called the beats, which is like the smallest unit of action in a story. Um, and the example I read was from The Matrix, Neo gets a phone call from blah blah blah. That's a that's one beat of the story, and that what that beat does is it's the inciting incident that mm. gives us the rest of the movie. But then, like, okay, so then the next beat is blah blah blah. Um, it's not just like, well, Keanu Reeves uh, is this like magic messiah 
for our computer-controlled world. Like, you'd need to know, like, a phone call happens, then the car chase happens, then, then a phone call happens, he resists the call to action, then this car chase happens, he reconsiders, reaches out, Lawrence Fishburne, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's you know, the Matrix. <laughs> what I was going to say was the... Was, was, is there a, the car, I don't remember the car chase too, too well, but I remember the, the club, the phone call and he goes to the club. Oh yeah, I haven't actually seen The Matrix since I saw it uh-huh. in the 90s, so I don't, I just remember like he gets picked up by the agent. Yeah, yeah. Um. I was just, and I don't remember it that well either, but I remember like that, if I'm, if I'm trying to recall something that is kind of burning your memory, but you've forgotten, mm-hmm. a next beat that it, it hits with me is that he gets a phone call He's like, I, he doesn't want to leave his house because that's our whole like, the, the 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 feeling of the Matrix is all. Oh yeah, yeah. Claustrophobic and and then he goes to a club and you see all these people and you're like, oh, so it's like you he hangs out at these cool clubs if he doesn't want to be there. I was like, oh, that feels like a beat to me. Yeah, yeah. So the beat is yeah, any kind of one after the other. That motivates what, the next the, act to go to a different Yeah, reduce point. the action down to one sentence with a subject and a verb. Um, and then that's when you can start writing. And of course, everybody says, do all this planning and then don't be afraid to deviate from it once you've got going. Mm. But I can totally see, like, just from two days worth of work between me and Peter... We've taken this pile of good ideas and we've made it into a story. And it is like, I can see it, I can kind of see it unfolding, I can see the relationships. We've even better defined the relationships between the characters. Mm-hmm. Like we have this, these two women who are a couple and it wasn't until we were working out the stories like, oh, they're not a couple at the beginning of mm. the show. In fact, that's like kind of an underplot throughout the whole thing. They're secondary characters, but their will they, won't they is also like a growing arc to the season, which was like so exciting yeah. to figure out. As we've like found, we've talked a bunch about finding your characters, which every writer does, of like mm-hmm. the characters will tell about themselves to the writer that we have like, you've got these two characters that you came up with and you're like, okay, that'll be nice for them to be a couple. But it's not until like, we we sit with them and yeah. then, and we find out like well why are they oh my god they're not a couple yet oh we get to see that happen yeah oh now we're really into their lives oh because we like, need we need plots and these this part of their not getting together and then getting together are like a ton of plots yeah. let's then, use it so they went from like a couple that you told me about that you created that were yeah. sitting back here in the room and said maybe a couple of funny things to all of a sudden they're actually a major part. And it was almost like we didn't like plan any of that. Like it's yeah, it like yeah. they stepped forward and said, "Like we got a story to tell." Oh, cool. Yeah, and then like yeah, before our eyes, it was like, "Well, this is true." Yeah, and um, it started to fold, unfold of like, where did this one come from, and how did they grow up, and yeah, where did yeah. they, what were their parents and like, and what's the family? And, and it's all because we needed these characters to do things. Yeah. Um, and then like. Through what they do, you can figure out. Even the other secondary characters, I feel like a lot of the work we did... Because a lot of the work up to now was focusing on our main two characters. 
And then a lot of the work we did this week was like, well, why are these other characters there? What do they do? Mm. Oh, they do this. They do, they're an obstacle this way. They're an opportunity this way. They're, and yeah, some of it's form and function where you're yeah. like, oh, I can plug that guy in here. We'll make him this guy. Yeah. Just because you need something there. And like we talked about the bad guy, um, or not the bad guy, but the <laughs> kind of protagonist a couple of weeks ago who is like an amalgamation of several annoying people that we know and it's delicious <laughs> to write him saying horrible things. But it is also like he has a narrative function of being in the way, being kind of a tempter to David when David is floundering and then like... Well, the he, more there's the, purpose to The more you've been digging into that, he's gone from, like, a swirly mustache Billy Zane <laughs> to, like, an actual character that, like, oh, now I'm interested in who he is. Yeah, and, and in, in season from. two, he might even have an A story. Mm-hmm. Um, if he plays his cards right. Yeah, because now he's a real person. He's not just, like, a, an obstacle. Because yeah. he does things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that was really satisfying, and 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 in contrast to like last week's watching back the playback when I was like, well, this is a time where maybe you would give up, but we're not giving up. <laughs> like I feel a lot more confident. Like we've got something, and we're moving forward. And it is it's all about the structure and all about placing your chess pieces in the right place, and then mm-hmm. we'll we'll deepen that even further to like okay in a 30 minute episode these 30 things happen um and then we start to put them in actual scenes and write dialogue for them um and then it's harder than this but it is a matter of just like okay i have the whole map just like put the embellishments and the decorations on Uh and so at at this way of working is definitely at no time is the entire project riding on your shoulders and you don't have to get it all done at once so every step feels like well all I have to accomplish is this and this is doable Mm -hmm. um so I definitely you know I was never against structure (laughs) but I like in fact you're you're quite the person that embraces structure as much as possible but I guess I can see, like, the, the indie, the the outsider objection of, like, ugh, TV is so formulaic. Why mm-hmm. I have such creativity in my heart. Like, okay, so use that creativity in the right way. And these rules exist because they work. And these structures exist. They can be formulaic if you write dull, formulaic ideas into them. Well, if your ideas are good, then it's going to sing. Even if it is like, well, every every sitcom has, hey, we have a problem. Hey, it's a bigger problem than we thought. I don't know if we can get over this problem. Oh, we did. That's every story ever, unless it's experimental stories. Right. And, you know, once we get a little more experience under our belt, I feel like we can even start messing with that. But we're, we're painting the fruit. We're painting the fruit when you, you go back to... Starting with like it might end with a a, cake, a car chase. Yeah, it, it, that is like the first thing that you're gonna go to. Anytime that you're watching something that does that, that was the first idea, mm-hmm. probably. Unless like somebody, well, or the very first idea of like I want to make a car chase. Yeah, like 
there isn't that's where you're, you're gonna go that's where we went of like mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter what we're telling a story about we got some characters we like we got yeah. a city that we like and let's just we'll tell the story as it goes along yeah where we need a spine to put that story on where's it gonna go I don't know they could end in the car chase the yeah. cops will chase them that'll be fine It'll and be it funny. turns It'll out a good. car chase isn't a spine <laughs> right <laughs> and uh, if you consider the stakes of a car chase it was inappropriate for actually the story we wanted to tell it's inappropriate for the city I don't know if there's ever been a also car chase that, in the city yeah the traffic in Luzhou is such <laughs> that a car chase would be futile it's small it's hilly and it's a peninsula Trapped with bridges. Yeah. Like yeah. The, it, the car chase would actually just us being stuck on a bridge, probably. If anything, if you were trying to make a getaway, you'd do it on foot. Yeah. <laughs> do jump a little crane boat across the river. Yeah. <laughs> that would be. Now I'm talking myself back into it. It's <laughs> <laughs> season three, I think, because I already have the stakes for season two. <laughs> it's a wedding. <laughs> um. <laughs> but yeah, so we have, we've been having a lot of fun with that, and it is like. When I went to bed last night, I was even still filling in details that um, I feel like are going to be good. Um, and what else? Oh, oh, and and back to that, the car chase, deciding that was the stakes are too high. Because of the emotions of that, we had to have a conversation of like, where emotionally, how emotionally realistic is what's happening to these characters. Are we going to have scenes where you, the viewer, are crying along with our characters? Mm. And I kind of don't want that. I didn't want that. Um, And, like, what I said was more along the lines of, like, when Liz Lemon has a breakdown, that character is feeling those emotions, but you, as the viewer, aren't like, oh, you're laughing at her because it's funny. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of more the flavor of what we needed. And any kind of, like, heaviness as... Like, we, this isn't, you know, King of the King of Queens or something like that. Yeah. But we also, like, I mean, we talk a lot about Dan Harmon, because we listen to his Harmon cast all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're watching something as ridiculous as Rick and Morty, I mean, there's a lot of episodes that just go dark out of nowhere. I mean, it's all dark. But like, oh, yeah, but then they'll that, leave like, you feeling very upset. Yeah, as it's a just like a man alone yeah, the characters the on screen are upset and you at home are also yeah, upset. Yeah, and that just ends with like, you're all alone and gonna die. Yeah. And it's gonna be horrible. In a convincing way. Like, yeah. not, not like, oh, that's so funny. Yeah, it's not cute of like, ha ha. It yeah. definitely was like, crap. And that's, Thanks, not, that's not our point of view and that's not our mindset. I mean, mm-hmm. I enjoy existential horror. That's why we watch Rick and Morty. Right. But like, the story we want to tell about China is like, it is weird and overwhelming and that's what's fun about it. Well, yeah, we see that a lot with, and we've felt it ourselves as being expats. There's, there's a, is a story, there's usually two black and white paths of the rose-tinted glasses that everyone talks about, of like, woohoo, I just got here, it's so wonderful, I'm having such a great time, and then in six months, it's terrible, and life is over, and I hate it, I gotta get out. Mm-hmm. And the people that have been here longer always laugh at the ones that have just gotten here, like, hey, there's me at a temple, wee! <laughs> and that story itself is I mean you can tell either story but it's the one in between where you're just like we're just kind of sticking it out and noticing things sometimes it's it's worse than others sometimes it's amazing than others yeah but for the most part it's just kind of weird and strange and if, if we are telling the story that we feel that we try to live it's mostly a day-to-day basis of like 
well, that's a weird thing. Yeah. And it's funny. Yeah. So let's move yeah. on with telling the story in that fashion rather than being overdramatic because overdramatic itself can feel like eh, it's just too much. We have a, yeah. a, we yeah. have a queue full of TV shows that are way overdramatic that we enjoy but we're not watching. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't really feel like examining the depths of what, what the world is in now. I don't right. want to look at a movie. Well, and I think there's a way to be a, a true reflection of the world that's around you without just, like, dragging you through hopelessness. Yeah. Because I think, you know... Or cluelessness. The, the foibles that we come upon in China, the absurdness that we see is, like, the absurdness of living in a society. And, like, you can choose... There's going to be a rogue poop. Yeah, there's going to be rogue poop. And you can, like, collapse because of it, which I kind of did. Um, But then, like, I came home, dusted myself off, and, like, found what was funny about it so that I could go back to work the next day and do it again. And then there was no rogue poop, so it's okay. And finding that in in our story... Yeah. ...of of how do you really want the tone to be is... That's definitely been a journey for us. Yeah. And, and we did, we rejected a, a story that was like two of the side characters try to rope one of our main characters into a business because like the only end goal is either they start the business, which we didn't want to drive the plot into like now she runs a business as well as being an English teacher or like the business dissolves and then we don't really see those other two characters anymore. Mm-hmm. And then so what we changed it into is one of the side characters gets Patrice a gig on TV that goes hilariously wrong, and so it blows up by the end, but it does not then kick Norbert, the side character, out of the story. He gets to continue being friends with everybody, whereas, like, if his business fell apart, like, they wouldn't really be friends or hang out anymore. Yeah. Um, so just, like, those kinds of considerations, like, what... What kinds of misunderstandings do we want to have? What mm-hmm. what keeps the story on its track? And because, of course, with sitcoms in the present day, there is actually a little bit of change and development expected over the course of a season. But it still is very much like by the end of the episode, Mrs. Crabapple? Crabapple? Crabapple, right? That's how you say it? Crabapple. The teacher on Simpsons. Yeah. She's, you know, maybe she won the lottery and left the school, but by the end of the episode, she's back teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and we have... I don't know why I chose her. That's such an obscure yeah. character. <laughs> and, I guess teachers. And she died. Yeah. Well, and so, yeah, there's 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 a good counterexample. She did die, and then... Um, well, we've had, like, even... That stayed true. Uh, we have a really hilarious possible season. Maybe it's a completely different story that takes place in a hospital wing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mostly in a room with really sick people. Like, <laughs> right. Based on a real-life happening that was not hilarious and funny. Right. Um, but, yeah, like, do we cram that into what we're doing now or elements of that? Yeah. Or are we, like, that's... The, the actual tragedy in it is actually too funny like, I think there's a whole season of... Well, I guess even at the time, there was stuff we were laughing oh, at. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because, you know, that's... 
that's our natures, is that we're going to see what's funny about a given situation. You can't spend over a month in a foreign hospital and not be like, this is just funny. <laughs> this chaos is hilarious. Because <laughs> um, otherwise you just... Later to be announced. Give in to despair. Yeah, I don't... That Maybe that exists in our same universe. I think that's a different set of characters, though. Right, right, right. Um, but maybe there well, is but, the, but, but initially we were thinking of like, how would we tell that story somewhere in our canon. Yeah. And we kept pushing it around and we're like, let's just push that aside because it's too yeah. good to lose. Yeah. But... But um, that is... That's in, that's in pre-development. That <laughs> also might be more like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest where there's going to be some dark moments. And yeah, And what we're yeah, working on yeah. now, I don't really see dark moments that are more than just like... Yeah. Weird... Yeah, but it's interesting, like, as sitcoms have progressed as an art form, I'm going to call it an art form, TV is important. Mm -hmm. We all watch it all the time. Um, there's a number of tones available to your sitcom, and it can be like your CBS, Laugh Track, Studio Audience, um, Wackadoo, whatever. Whatever that, that Joey sitcom is that you were trying to... Oh, he had... He's a dad with, Joey. A, dad with a plan. Man with a plan. <laughs> man with a plan, I think. Um, Good job. That is I'm like... I was going to call it dad with a thing or something. Dad with a thing. I think it's man with a plan. Where it's just like a couple of sets and like... the It's very much plug-in, plot-A, plug-in, plot-B, plug-in, plot-C, gag, laugh, gag, laugh, gag, mm -hmm. laugh. Or something like Baskets on IFC. Um... Which is very much like the emotional portrait of a man lost in his life um, who's wondering how to be an artist in a life that doesn't want that from him and how does he relate to his family who doesn't understand him. But that's also a sitcom and it is also built on that same structure. It just has like more emotional depth and it is, it's funny but then there are also moments, not even that are sad but that are just like touching. Yeah, there's, there's um, poignancy. And sometimes you can deal with the fact that it's like it's not on a set and there's no laugh track or whatever. There are yeah, yeah. tones that you can hit with music and stuff that mm -hmm. make it feel more cinematic. But I mean, there's other shows like uh, what's that show? The woman who's a comedian. Um, that that um, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. But there's stuff that is filmed mm -hmm. as a sitcom or like Love. Yeah. Like that. A sitcom format, mm -hmm. but it's filmed. Yeah, and um, it's, it's on location. Right, and, and it does seem to have like more weight immediately mm -hmm. than mm -hmm. a regular sitcom that's on stage. Right. Um, well, even like The Good Place is; those are sets. That's yeah. not on location. Right. Um, but it's it's. I guess that's traditional set sitcom writ large. Yeah, it's it's and it's very much gag driven, and it's very much like the formula. It's twisted a little bit so that there's like a huge cliffhanger at the end of every episode. Mm -hmm. um, but it's exploring what it means it means to be a good person and what happens when we die. The poignancy of, of a show like that though does tend to be like it's a bigger question because everyone's dead, so no one has yeah. to worry about. Life. Everyone's dead, and that's not a tragedy. Yeah. So the sadness isn't just like oh you've wasted your life like right or yeah. you're like we're, my, we're over that we're yeah. dead. <laughs> What does it mean to be judged as a person, and what's your moral value? Yeah, well, well, yeah. what did you do before then Yeah. that made you end up where you are? Yeah. 
So that makes it a little easier than just like moments of just well, I guess that's all there is. But ba- I mean, all all of those shows are all sitcoms. Yeah, yeah. But they have vastly different tones, and that's the exciting part of like it might sound. I think even for us, we were. I was a little embarrassed to say like, are we writing a sitcom? <laughs> I think several times we were like, we're not really writing a sitcom, but I think that we are, and that doesn't mean that it has to be hacky and joke filled. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is going to be joke filled because we're very funny people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't. It, there's not just one thing that that means anymore, and well, that's well, the exciting part. What I like. This might be an easy go-to, but the first thing that I can think of is let's go back to a, a, a sitcom that's taken seriously. Is maybe Mash. I mean, there's got to be something yeah. before that, but that really is like a flagpole that is. Yeah, I guess it, it, it dealt with like social issues, and right. then it also was just very farcical sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then the farce was also in service of the idea that war is absurd. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's not like there weren't yeah. weighty sitcoms or like All in the Family or anything Norman Lear. Um, mm-hmm. If if the writing is exploring real human relationships and real human issues, then there you go. Right. It's not just throwaway garbage. And some of the stuff that we've already talked about, like, it's surprising that there could be any success with the relaunch of One Day at a Time, mm-hmm. or the Carmichael show, like... As a re... as an update to the whole yeah, family. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be an actual story that hasn't been told that is just a remake <laughs> of an old story, an old Norman Lear. But, right. Um, well, that's like, there's two sides to that of, like, find something new... But, you know, philosophically, there's only six stories in the world mm-hmm. anyway. Um, but it seems like this this generation has gone to not only go off-platform to your whatever Hulu or whoever's available mm-hmm. at this point, but you're like, I'm going to film this mm-hmm. and do it, you know, <clears throat> off from studio money, maybe. It's like, I mean, I don't know how baskets got made. I mean, it looks beautiful, mm-hmm. but I would imagine it... it it's off the back of Galifianakis having I, such huge... Well, I think it was when Louis C.K., before we found out he was a monster, um, he had the deal with FX where they were just like, we'll give you money and you do what you want, we're happy mm. with your work. And he was friends with Galifianakis, so he was like, uh-huh. um, let's do a show. So there's, uh, there's... And Galifianakis was like, I'm not doing a show unless I can be a clown. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure that's the Or even uh, what was uh, the, the, the Bill Hader show of... Oh, Barry? Yeah. Like yeah. You, you've got... you got it. you got a show. Yeah. Do what you want. Yeah. What do you want to do? I don't know. Yeah. Let's make it... I'm a hitman. All right. What makes that different? It's me. Yeah. Bill Hader <laughs> is a hitman. Yeah. Who's not going to watch it? So we give it a yeah. shot. Yeah. You've got an audience already. But it's it's not any kind of big money that... Yeah. Is, you know, who's, are you going to watch this at the football game? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter because it's on whatever Showtime or Netflix or whatever. Yeah. And we're not going to watch the football game. But I think that's, um, along with the, the different tones available to you now in sitcoms, different modes of conflict. Like, I'm going to get very social justice warrior here right now. Um, but like, the industry still is very white male dominated. Probably all like Harvard grads even. Like that small pool of people and that small pool of experience and life 
diversity. And we're um, not going to name names because we would that might actually help our our viewership and yeah, names yeah. And we don't well, I don't have any names <laughs> in mind. Just like of the in general, that we're starting to welcome new voices from that, and we're starting to see more people of color and more women and more women of color and more gender spectrums and more sexualities we do get to see these more interesting takes on life and somehow i think that's manifesting is in the idea of like so i was saying before like your story has to have a conflict but what a what constitutes a conflict and how that's acted out it does not always have to be two people who want different things are yelling at each other now mm -hmm. or like physical violence um which which tends to be the easiest go-to's but where and we've talked about this before of like take my wife which is two lesbian comedians the conflict was always very gentle and it was like about how to best support someone while maintaining your own integrity and looking after yourself well enough and so the the conflicts wouldn't really be like you wouldn't call them fights it was more discussions um, but it was really, I really appreciated seeing, like, drama play out in a way that was more kind and funny than actually, like, dramatic. Mm -hmm. um, well, one thing that we've found as we're starting to write our, getting further and further into writing our characters, and what are their motives and where are their characters' trajectory, is a lot of the time our characters are all kind of doing this going off into the same direction and we're like well yeah, some yeah, kind of conflict yeah. between the two and like but they're not mad at each other so right and that, so we had to find ways where like we definitely didn't want our main couple to bicker because mm -hmm. that's annoying we want or even our main characters like that are with the secondary characters or even yeah, our bad yeah. guy we didn't really want them to like fight with the bad we guy we wanted them to have relationships we're having a hard time calling him a bad guy yeah yeah <laughs> both people who I would call, have called protagonists are like uh, I've already in my own eyes redeemed them into like they're just trying to get their thing done mm. um but yeah I don't I don't I'm I trying to do for me we want to have we want our characters to have like actual good relationships and like have conflicts that reflect because Peter and I don't fight but we do have conflicts in our life and so we wanted to kind of show that mode of being yeah um I mean we fight a little bit but I mean Not... but it, it's it doesn't we don't yell because we're like we want to solve this so we yeah. talk yeah. about what it's What's yeah, so happen? like what happens when two people are actually on the same side but have a conflict is actually like much more of a deep thing to explore. Right. It's easy to be like, I want that yellow truck. No, I want that yellow truck. Yeah, we're not poor. We're not leaving rogue poops. Yeah. If we can. <laughs> yeah. Unless something goes terribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's all where we're at. Um it's a really exciting time. It really feels like the ideas are just bubbling up and now they have a direction to go in because we've provided that framework. Um, off camera, I don't have stuff to tell you I think about last night. Um, <laughs> but let's move on to commentary. Um, one last thing I was okay. thinking while... Do you have anything to, think, uh, to talk about with... We just started talking about doing location scouting. 
uh, and what that, oh, yeah. what that kind of means going from our character. We'll worry about um, our, our other work if we get to it. If okay. we get to it. If not, but I think the jump of like talking about our characters and what they have to do to actually like looking at like where are we going to put these in town? Like, what do we know about Yeah. Town? And we've talked about with our friend Andrea, who's going to help us out with some of this stuff, too. Yeah, well, and I think... Moving into a phase where we might be introducing other people into the world. <laughs> For now, I think location scouting is a good idea, and but in a very preliminary way. If like, even like we're, we're thinking about it. Yeah, we taking, exactly taking it for inspiration and taking it for like reminding ourselves of all the different places Lujo has to offer um, versus like, okay, this is perfect for this. Let's lock it down. Because it, by the time we're finished in a year with the script, that's been my continual prediction for the past six months so it's going to take a year. Um, Two but, weeks. I mean, by the, time, by the time we're done with the script... These perfect places may have disappeared, but I think it is a good idea to get the juices flowing and to start having stuff in mind and to see, like our friend Andrea mentioned, we in town have a couple ghost balls, and that's like such a Chinese thing. Um, and they're and not, totally not, fits the mood of like, what what is this weird? Place? And they're easy to get into. They're like yeah. construction sites that are. Pretty much just a, a free for all. You might be a security guard that might chase you down or something like that. But yeah. People do just tend to like walk through construction sites, and that makes for really fascinating areas. There's a lot of people that are into like urban exploration in different cities and across mm. China. That I mean, it's kind of terrifying to me. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't just kind of walk into an old empty building. Yeah. What yeah. What could we do with that? Is yeah, and I guess it helps to envision. So now we, we can see our characters now to like go actually to a place and, and envision them in this place and interacting with that place. Mm-hmm. I think will further um, the richness of, of our vision. Right. And as we're starting now, I mean, we're just sort of talking about it and thinking of different places and brainstorming. Mm-hmm. But I would like to, I mean, we're going to bring the camera out with us when we go. So we'll yeah. have yeah. further episodes of this that <laughs> as we start to like look at like what makes a good good scene a good location yeah because oh, we don't even know yet i mean this is all part of our exploration of yeah well another thing from the script notes podcast um two things actually that they mentioned in different episodes one was i think this was them one of them like when you're screenwriting it's not just like you're summoning these words it's more it's more like you're seeing the movie happen and then writing down instructions of, for the actors and everybody else of how to make that happen. And I would imagine it's beneficial to like have actual places in mind, mm-hmm. especially I'm not great at, at visualizing spaces, to like have to go make this file in, in a literal sense with the camera of like, here's places mm-hmm. that exist that you can use as your backdrop. I mean, much like like you said, artists often have a, a compendium of like, here's what street lamps look like, and yep. here's what's... Because it's, it's, it's hard to just like make that up out of thin air. And not that you're like copying, this is what a street light looks like, but like your brain works better if it can have an actual reference. And yeah. the same There's for like a great places. In the, the Robert Crumb movie, mm-hmm. he, he's going through his sketchbook, 
and and showing you photographs of particularly it's telephone poles mm -hmm. and he's just like it's you just can't have this stuff in your head because who wants to like um, remember what a telephone but there's so much yeah, ugliness what you're doing in the is world creative I mean, stuff like don't take up all your brain space with this clutter of the real world yeah. but you do need the real world as your reference yeah like especially with like his work because he has so much like americana he's like telling a story of like some blues guy on a delta you know time period piece that like what does like a crappy road in Louisiana looked like from 1962 like mm -hmm. I have no idea like you're gonna have to go look at some photographs and then it's gonna be ugly <laughs> like, yeah. how you, like <laughs> it's just a road with a telephone pole but that's part of your world because it's not it's not this blank white page with just your figures appearing sketchily in the middle of it you do need the entire it's your research world yeah. and that's what we're talking about with with getting these like having the research of living here Mm -hmm. Long enough to, 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 we have places that we know, the ones that are still around, some yeah. of them are gone, yeah. some of them will be here, some of them are going to be new places, and, I mean, we live right on the Yangtze River, it's like, I can look at it right here, like, how are we going to use that? Yeah. If, if anything, we were saying, like, last night, if you go to New York City, you're going to film, like, you know, Washington uh, Park, or the square, or wherever that's someplace you could somebody might recognize mm -hmm. we have to use the Yangtze River because it's yeah, right yeah, there yeah. The, the monuments around town are not knowledgeable to you know most people even in China mm -hmm. but there are certain places like we were talking about like a dinner boat that is on the river a fishing dinner boat yeah, it's a fish restaurant that's like a three-story boat. Yeah, that um, just and there's a bunch of them on the river. Like, yeah. how could we not film something there? Yeah, yeah. So then we have to go like, well, which one do we want to like choose? And yeah, who has the best fish? I don't yeah, know. so I guess for now we're kind of like building up our catalog of like these are these are the places where it could be. Because the other thing that they said on script notes that I've kind of found very useful is so we're writing TV and a, a, an episodic series versus a movie and so for movies this more applies but then for what we're doing more has the flavor of a long episodic movie or you know what people are saying mm -hmm. um that you should never come back to the same place twice or if you do there should be something about the place that changes your character or something about your character that changes the place so like mm -hmm. place is not just a backdrop unless you're making friends where it is like, mm -hmm. the coffee shop. But even that, like, the coffee shop has a function. The coffee shop is the home base. Because even their individual apartments, and as they make it a plot even, like, that they're jealous of each other's apartments, um, are the home... That, that gives the... If we're in the girls' apartments, the girls have the strength. And if we're in the boys' apartments, the boys have a strength. But the equal playing field is... Central Perk. Right. Um, but to the, the point where we actually have theme restaurants, even here in Beijing, there's a Central Perk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> go visit. And it's made up, it looks exactly like this. But that's because the nature that the story was telling was this, I'm just coming up with this now, but I think it's true. The battle of the sexes of like, so mm. the, the place gave weight to what storyline was being told, but 
these places don't change, and really the characters didn't change. That's that now that you mention it, that's right. Why Ross wouldn't move in with anybody because he was such a control freak that he needed his own apartment to get away from everybody. Right, and he was on no one's winning side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And Phoebe was the outsider, so she also had to. That's live right. She couldn't be bothered with, with playing with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Whereas, and he's like, has to be guarded from it. Yeah. Where everyone else could just kind of be like, we're just bounce the ball back yeah. and forth. Yeah. So even even in in such a formula, there is like the mm. place has a purpose. Um, and for us, I think we're gonna have some locations that we return to just because. Um, that's what we're gonna do. Um, but I would like to keep in mind, you know, that the place informs what's happening, and the and changes in a place can reflect the changes, the emotional changes that we're, we're trying to convey. Mm-hmm. Um, even we have, you know, like you were saying, the apartment changes and stuff. Like one of the the things about. China is that stuff changes so often. Yeah. Like, we celebrate the fact that there's a couple of restaurants we've been going to for yeah, a number yeah. of years that, like, every time we go, hope it's still there. Yes, it's still there. Yeah. Fantastic. Sometimes we're not there for a year. We come back, we're like, we're going to be so disappointed. Well, that's, like, but, stability is an illusion everywhere. And mm. so China is really, like, busting that illusion. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very, like, zen idea of, like... There is no such thing as stasis. Right, which is what... China is always changing. What so many Which people, is like an under-thesis of our... Yeah, um, it's upsetting show. for everybody, and it's upsetting for us that you can never actually pin anything down. Yeah. But that's how everything works around. As I said in the beginning of the episode, I hate change, but mm-hmm. change is a constant. And uh, part of learning how to deal with that is part of the story that we have to tell. Yeah. Is that our characters can't actually just settle down and be like, this is our life. And then, and they're not trying to change. They're not become, becoming Zen Buddhist of like, you know, yeah. we have learned to accept change on the of turn right. of a dime. Or, yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's the finale. <laughs> 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 that they go a little bun on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's a good, good thing to bring up. Well, thank you. Um, do you want to do some commentary? Um, we're at 122, so let's save it for next time. Okay. Well, it's, um, I just want to mention, we had three videos came out this week. Hmm. You just moved to China. Uh, they closed the pool, and the most asked questions said about China, yeah. or whatever <laughs> that convoluted title. Um, the pool is actually a repost from last year, but, um, still applies. They did just close our pool. And then the other two are brand new, so go go watch them. Yeah, They're we'll get really into it in depth next week. Yeah. But we just posted them, so I'm like, I'm still thinking about them. Okay. Um, yeah, and we we did have a lot to say about. Yeah. Um, all the work we did this week. And we want to go so eat. Good. We want to go eat pork rib dinner for. Yeah. Now. Now. Um. So noodles to you. <laughs> <laughs>